0: All right, and welcome back to Micromobility. Um, today we have with us uh, Steve Anderson. Hey there, Steve, how are you going? Doing good. Excellent. And we have with us Horace, as always. Horace, how are you doing today, Horace?
1: I'm doing well, thank you. Um... Excellent.
0: Well, look, um, I thought maybe Steve, have you introduced yourself, and then I know, Horace, you, you want to talk to uh, the upcoming Micromobility Summit as well. So, um, Steve, take it away.
2: Well, uh... Steve Anderson. Uh, I'm an MIT-trained mechanical engineer involved in the power sports industry and motorcycles for years, and have been working on small electric vehicles since about 2012 or 2013, and following them for longer than that.
0: Awesome. Excellent. Um, And as I understand it, you'll be at the upcoming Micromobility Conference?
2: I'll be doing a presentation there on micromobility safety.
1: So let me let me pick up where we're so Steve actually presented both at the Micromobility Summit in Copenhagen, both in 2017 and 2018. And of course, he's going to be at the 2019 uh, Micromobility California event. And I want to make sure people are aware of that event. Uh, if you're listening to the show, you you would have heard about us uh, about this before. And, and I just want to. Repeat that, but we have, um, we just crossed 400 uh, registered people, registrants, and uh, we are gonna limit the audience to 500. So so uh, actually we have less than 90 spaces available right now and uh, really wanna have, hopefully some, <laughs> we won't be sold out by the time you hear this, uh, but it's getting really close. So we would encourage you to, to try to, uh, to register We're we're really excited about it. It's, it's a fantastic event when, when you look at all the speakers, including Steve, when you look at the venue, when you look at the topics we're covering and, uh, and just the, the quality of the audience itself. Just, I'm, I'm privy to that, to that, uh, audience, uh, composition. And I can say it's, it's, it's 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 just incredible. I'm awed by the you know by the uh, interest from so many great people. So so looking forward to seeing everyone there. Um, so everyone on this call, everyone on this show is is going to be there. Oliver, you're coming. Steve is coming. Uh, many of the previous guests are coming as well. Mikhail Naka will be coming. Corinne um, Vogel will be coming. So uh, it, it's going to be a great uh, a great meeting of minds on the topic.
0: Excellent, yeah, I'm. Uh, I I can't wait. I'm going to be up there very soon, and uh, I'm looking forward to to meeting. Uh, th- th- also, as well, I will just do a quick shout out to the uh, people protected uh, bike lanes that ride on the night before. Uh, so there's uh, 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 Mike Brazino is going to be running a. Um, an event the night before with a bunch of people going out for drinks, but also as well doing a ride through San Francisco with these people protected bike lanes, um, which should be really, really exciting. So register on the website, micromobility.io, and come join. Cool. All right. Well, um, Hey Steve, I, we've been, we've been, uh, looking forward to having you come on the show. Uh, you were one of the first people that, uh, Horace and I discussed getting on when we, when we originally, um, had started, uh, talking about micro mobility and based on the pr- previous presentations that you'd done, um, at the, at the previous summit. So I thought maybe what we could do is, do you want to just take us through, um, sort of a top line, obviously not giving too much away because we don't want uh, the, we want to label the zingers for uh, for the presentation that we're going to see you do in a couple of weeks, but um, sort of how you think about safety um, and, and, and and how it relates to micromobility.
2: Well, that's a complex question, but, uh, you know, the when you get into safety and micromobility, uh, this all has to do with change of speeds um, in events and, uh, you know, Uh, As one race car driver once said, you don't die by going fast. You die by stopping fast. (laughs) And uh, uh, it's uh, most of the time with micro mobility vehicles, you're talking about relatively low speeds, 15, 20 miles an hour max. And at those low speeds, the injury potential is actually fairly low. And there's no real reason right now to think that uh, there's significantly more injuries coming from uh, scooters and from bicycles. Uh, Essentially, the speeds are about the same. The fall to the ground is about the same. And because of that, you would expect the injury potential to be very similar. And... uh, (laughs)
1: but let's let me let me interrupt you for a minute because there there's been data from portland they have done some studies of the number of injuries you you know you're pointing out that the the physics of the of the uh of the modes are very similar meaning that the the speeds and the and the distances that you might fall are about the same for cycling and and scooters but one thing that that the study seems to show uh, is that there's much more likelihood of people getting injured and the reason seems to be that there that there's a lot of inexperience with this mode that people aren't very uh, very aware of how to ride safely also so so most of the injuries are not life threatening so my point is simply this that I think it's not fair necessarily to look at the scooter data today because we're looking at a at a very early adoption of a modality that is very, uh, very new to everyone who's using it. I mean, they may have once stepped on a scooter, but they haven't done it on an electric one, and nor have they done it on a city street. Um, um, you know that 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 that's the problem. I think with with a statistical approach, so it's 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 not it's not clear yet how these modes are are. Going to be perceived. Everyone who sees the injury data on scooters is jumping all over it, saying, "Aha! You see, this new mode is extremely dangerous." There's a there is a, however, a a study done in the '40s by a man named S- uh, Smeed, I think S M E E D, and, he, and it became to be known as Smeed's Law, which is it's a basically a power function that says that the more the more p- people, and therefore the larger population of 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 vehicle users, the, the lower the injury rate. And and so this is this has been paraphrased as there's safety in numbers. And this data in the 40s was developed was 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 for automobiles. And and so in fact in the early days of automobiles, there were horrific injury rates because people didn't know how to drive well. They weren't, also the vehicles were much less safe, but also mostly it was simply people were inexperienced. And, and when you get to large, larger populations and they're all tending to also have better regulation in terms of traffic laws, and you have to create a normative behavior of how to, how to properly conduct yourself, um, it, it, it reduces this. So it's, it's an effect, it's, it's of course an empirical law but people have applied it to cycles and said the same thing. There's there's safety in numbers. So, yeah.
2: I, I mean, what we what we see is, you know, the physics of the vehicles are similar, and you can look at it from a physics and a biomechanical viewpoint and say, you know, we wouldn't expect injury rates to be a lot different. Now, the other thing is is the rate data, the epidemiological data. How often are people having accidents? And that we really don't know. We've you know, got some very preliminary data out of Austin, maybe a little bit out of Portland, as, as you have said. But it's we're still tracking that. And that's only beginning to be discovered. And as you also have said, and I agree with, um, the rate for people unfamiliar with these vehicles is likely to be higher than when people are experienced. We see that in many modalities, um, you know, new motorcycle riders are much more likely to have accidents than experienced motorcycle riders, uh, you know. So we would expect rates on scooter scooters to go down as people get more experience with them.
0: Absolutely, and from your perspective, um, obviously, Steve, you're coming at this from a from from a design perspective, as I understand it. Is that would that be correct?
2: Well, I come from it from from both a design uh, perspective and from a forensic engineering perspective. Um, in my various careers, uh, in between design jobs, um, where I've been designing motorcycles and the like, uh, I've done engineering consulting for litigation-related matters. You know, determining how accidents happen, who's at fault, etc. So I've, I I work with biomechanical engineers a lot and uh, uh, very familiar with accident analysis. Uh, and again, when you're looking at specific accidents, you're not looking at uh, statistical data. You're looking at how did this happen? What were the mechanics of this of this singular accident?
0: Absolutely, and I guess that the part that I, you know, that you think about is obviously is. So we can talk scooters specifically, but I mean, obviously, it's the same with anything that's to do with micromobility. But how much of this is like, do you think that the technology will adapt or um, uh, adapt and evolve over time to adopting new? technologies that will provide safety. so I'm thinking ABS or uh, self braking or um, you know uh, obstacle avoidance, all that sort of thing um, that's sort of being touted as a way to be able to reduce the, the rates of accidents or is it just a no you're going to be dealing with this uh, because this is the mode and this is the physics of this um, you know
2: I, I mean there certainly are design changes you can make that will um, reduce accidents. I mean one issue with scooters, is, you know, is, some scooters have quite small front wheels. And uh, the, the uh, likelihood that the scooter is likely to, to uh, trip, to pitch over, because it, it hits an obstacle is much greater with a small wheel. And you're already seeing scooter designs evolving towards 10- or 12-inch wheels rather than 6- or 8-inch and I, I, I think that's one of the things we'll see. ABS braking is is an obvious. I mean, having brakes which don't require any rider expertise is something that will, you know, uh, make things better. Um, one of the other things that I've done in is gone back and looked a little bit about what we know about bicycle accidents, because, again, I think bicycles are a pretty good analogy for scooters just in terms of speeds and injury potential. And one of the things we see, um, there was a really good uh, study, epidemiological study done in Seattle in the 90s where for two and a half years they essentially looked at everyone who came into an emergency room at seven Seattle hospitals who was in an accident involving a bicycle and one of the things that like you clearly saw there, uh, and this is sort of repeated again and again, in the Seattle study, 70% of the deaths were in um, automobile-involved accidents and automobile-involved accidents only represented 15% of the bicycle accidents.
0: Interesting. So I wonder if that—I mean—in that regard, there's obviously the aspect of um, vehicle design or and and uh, things that you can add there, but a lot to do with infrastructure and just being, working out how to separate them and having separated cycleways. There is an interesting debate that's going on here in New Zealand at the moment with the rollout of Lime scooters, um, where the, the government is proposing a ten-kilometer-an-hour or that six-miles-an-hour speed cap on them, which, you know, it's. Kind of preposterous, but the but the thing that they're talking about and the reason that they want to do that is because they're they're worried about the risk of hitting pe- uh, pedestrians. That's the predominant uh, risk that they consider them to pose, um, which obviously would be solved if you just had a dedicated right of way, which is you know what they're aiming towards. But it just takes time to be able to adapt infrastructure, obviously, um in that
2: regard. I, I mean, the more you look at these issues, the more you have to think. That uh, the Netherlands, Denmark, these countries that have long histories with bicycles have gotten it right, and what they've done is they've separated bicycles from automobiles, and they've separated them from pedestrians. They have a you know a third stream, um, a third path um, for bicycles, and I think you you have to assume in the long run that micro mobility requires the same thing you know bicycles and scooters need their own infrastructure
1: yeah i just wanted to ask uh, about the i i'm a little bit nervous about scooters and i uh, from from a safety point of view even if you were to separate them into their into a bike lane are they really kind of inappropriate even for that f- that uh, uh, that right of, of uh, that, that type of infrastructure because it, to me uh, the scooter is is which with its small wheels is is prone to having uh, you know you know having having obstacles or not tolerating very big obstacles and also it um, it it is a uh, inherently slower vehicle than what you might end up with a um uh you know a, a bicycle given its its wheels and so i'm just curious whether could would scooters and bicycles mix well within uh within within a bike lane and you know bicycles are are electric bicycles are now capable of doing uh much more than than 35 kilometers an hour 45 is on is is not unusual and, and so that's 30 miles an hour and how would they interact with with uh with uh with the the scooter what,
2: what are your thoughts well these are good questions um you know again we go back to that seattle study what they found were about five percent of the accidents were probably interacting with another bicycle or a pedestrian um it wasn't you know a, a real significant percentage of the accidents uh with scooters and bicycles if you're talking about you know s pedelecs that go 45 kpa to 28 miles an hour you know 12 or 15 mile an hour scooters don't mix well with that that's simply you know too much speed difference uh, it's an issue that you're going to have to think long and hard about, you know, what speeds are you going to allow for these various vehicles and where are you going to allow these speeds? You know, I I keep saying as we go into the, you know, the 2020s and we get uh, next generation GPS up and running, it's going to be possible to do geofence speed limits, um, fairly easily, where you can simply require the vehicles, uh, you know, when they're at a specific location, you know, obey this speed limit and you can have this all enforced, not by the rider, but by the, uh, by the software.
0: Absolutely. I can see um, the, the other thing as well, it's you just need to look at sort of the history of the car and Horace, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this Is just, you know, obviously we started out with the standard road, um, everybody had relatively same speed cars, but then you, you end up with different road different road um, classifications and highways and inner a, a city roads, et cetera, and lanes. So on the highway, there is the sort of the outside lane in which you go really fast and the inside lane in which you go a little bit slower. Um, and, and, uh, and, and thinking that, yeah, absolutely, you're going to end up with the same things. Uh, if, the, if the infrastructure ends up well enough developed, you would have an s pedalic lane and a scooter lane and a bike lane and a walking lane. Um, and that's not completely unreasonable, actually.
2: You know, you were bringing up the issue before about uh, wheel size and, you know, tripping and and all of that. And, you know, we've seen an evolution previously on, um, you know, internal combustion powered scooter, Vespa type scooters, where they went from eight to 10 inch wheels to 12 inch wheels to 14 inch wheels to 16 inch wheels. And I mean, historically. You know, there are a lot of advantages in compactness and uh, and maneuverability and things like that with having tiny wheels. But in previous vehicle evolutions, we see them evolving into vehicles that uh, look a little more motorcycly or bicycly, and there's a reason for that.
1: Excellent, Horace? Yeah, I just, I just wanted to, you know, I, I, this, this question of what is, what is the infrastructure versus the, the vehicle. First, first thing, to, to again emphasize is that the collisions or, 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 or accidents and, and danger comes from differentials in speed. So if, 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 uh, if a lane structure for, a, for a a super highway, the typical multi-lane highway. It's designed so that it's at least in civilized countries. Uh, it's designed so that the, the the you know there's a slow lane then there's a passing lane and there's perhaps even another lane to accommodate uh, uh, more passing in case the the middle lane is occupied. And so you you have this pro this notion that you're segregating implicitly by by speed. So that the trucks are, are always uh, pro- pro- uh, prohibited from the passing lane, so s- trucks are, are, are expected to s- to keep at a slower uh, slower speed. Uh, in Europe, you see that with the with the s- stickers on the back of the truck that that identify that they're actually rated to go at a slower speed. So that's how larger freeways are 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 designed. And of course, you have uh, a sidewalk which is for for pedestrians which are very slow. So what we're talking about is this creating a, a micro-mobility lane which would uh, be separate from the, the walking lane and it would be separate from the driving lanes. But the micro-mobility lane, and I think people are starting to realize this, micro-mobility lane is is too uh, too specific or it's gonna be too small for all the modes that we're gonna see emergent, from scooters to regular cycles to e, e- uh, e e bikes, potentially S e bikes or speed bikes, and then we, we may end up with also some sort of a quadra, quadricycle or, or three wheelers, which are which are uh, potentially faster and have more mass. So that this is why when I talked about micro mobility, I defined it as zero from zero to 500 kilograms, and only on the weight basis, we can imagine you know 500 kilograms will take you quite far and quite fast. So this is a this is a, this is where I mean maybe we're getting quite off this question of 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 safety, but we're getting into the question of how to deal with uh, uh, with lane separation for micromobility, uh, and and I think this is this is a big big question, right? Because the demand of real estate for for roadways, uh, and I didn't mention bus lanes, and I didn't mention uh, tramways or or. Or rail lines, which are yet another form of public transit, which also is going to be jockeying for position on, in the in the in the in the landscape. So it's it's a, this is a really interesting topic. Uh, I think micro mobility has the potential for really spawning so many different variants.
2: Well, you know, micro mobility, we're going. You know, again, like the phrase that you've seen a lot in the last uh, few years is Cambrian explosion. Because the new technology of affordable, high energy batteries, cheap electric motors, cheap electric motor controllers allow you to engineer almost anything. I mean, there's, you know, the design space has opened up into this really broad palette of possibilities. And we're just starting to figure out where to be the successes in those. And. Again, from the the Danish and uh, Dutch experience for safety, and they have much, much lower fatality rates per mile of bicycle um, travel than countries like the U.S., that safety really involves some kind of infrastructure that separates the slower, smaller vehicles from cars. That's the essential part of it.
1: Yeah, just so i i wanted so there's, yeah there's the break best practice question but let's let's focus back a little bit on on uh what are the besides infrastructure uh considerations but but what are the critical design um elements for a vehicle maker that would help also with uh with safety so there's safety in the in the sense of avoiding a collision which you do by separating traffic but then there's the safety in terms of like, well, if you do get into an accident, how can you minimize the instability of the vehicle so that it, it you know, you, you, don't, you don't end up uh, uh, falling as much as number one. Number two uh, is if there is uh, there is a fault of some kind of failure, I don't know how, what do you call these, the term of art, but that the, the, the passenger is better protected. So automobiles traditionally have dealt with these questions, number one, by providing more more uh, 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 driver aids. So you have things like uh, ABS. You have things like uh, 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 stability controls, and and so so vehicles have over years, uh, you know, obtain more and more uh, driver assistance, and 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 ultimately that leads you to some degree of autonomy and and control over the vehicle that that uh, anticipates and and prevents accidents.
0: Now the. Next, yeah, the, I'm thinking of a of a of a like a big airbag suit that makes you look like a Michelin man if you're about well, to get no, into I, an accident. No, that,
1: that, that's the second part. So the first part is avoidance, and the second part, if you do get into an accident, you have active uh, cushioning or or, or uh, kinetic energy absorption or or something of that nature that that we have in terms of airbags and in terms of seat belts and in terms of uh, uh, safety glass and in terms of uh, padded dashboards and and. And, and you know uh, crumple zones and all these other things that are, once you get into an accident, we're going to protect the, the, the occupant. But both of these degrees of safe safety engineering in the vehicle, this is the question for Steve in terms of like what can be done from a design engineering point of view to both prevent an accident, secondly, to, to protect the, the occupant in, in case of an accident. I, I think this is the question to you, now, is, 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 is there actually potential to bring that technology uh, into micromobility?
2: Well, you're already seeing some of this technology come into micromobility. You're seeing, you know, relatively intelligent brake systems where you have a single lever um, on some scooters and you get a combination of electrical braking from the motor and some kind of mechanical braking all under control of a single system. Uh, You're seeing new bicycles, both Bosch and Continental came out with ABS systems for bicycles in the last year. Um, You know, these are all technical solutions. Uh, You know, one of the things that you can clearly see is anything with tiny wheels uh, gives you uh, a lot of potential for tripping type accidents. Um, You know, I've, I've... Read a number of accounts with people with uh, uh, boosted boards, uh, powered skateboards, you know, you know, having an issue where they hit le- uh, uh, some um, pavement irregularity and not that trips the vehicle. And that's just a design issue on wheel size. You, you simply don't want to do vehicles with tiny wheels unless you can, you know, excuse me, guarantee they work on, you know, phenomenally smooth surfaces. Um, and finally, on the passive safety side of things, um, I mean, the number one thing you can do is you can wear a helmet. There's all kinds of um, uh, good studies out there that show that helmets are amazingly effective in uh, reducing head injuries in uh, uh, and in these type of accidents. And that's what helmets are designed for. They're designed for the kinds of speeds you develop in just falling to the ground for, from five or six feet up. And they're very, very effective in that. Um, and finally, we've got the, um, I never know how to pronounce it. It's the uh, uh, Hobding uh, airbag helmet, which you- Oh.
0: I love these things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes because they look amazing when they go off.
1: Yeah. I, an airbag helmet. It, 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 the only thing I, I'm not crazy about is it's kind of a one use thing, but maybe most helmets are also supposed to be one use. Um, but so one
2: use, by the way, Horace, so like, uh, helmets, um, all have, um, uh, energy absorbing crush liners that, uh, are not resilient. They, um,
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's a kind of a, a like a styrofoam, yeah.
2: The latest hoppings are three hundred euros. They started at six hundred euros, and they're down to three hundred euros now. You don't see them in the U.S. because of our litigation environment and our our uh, and our particular laws on helmet design. But uh, I noticed a number of people when I was in Copenhagen and Amsterdam wearing them, and. Uh, uh, there's some there's actually was a, uh, a study out of Stanford's biomechanical lab which suggested they could be much more effective in preventing uh, um, in preventing um, uh, head injuries than um, than standard helmet designs
0: and they look pretty badass I mean they're, they're really they're, they're really good looking
2: I mean it's just this collar you wear, you know, and it, it, it somewhat heavy, rigid collar uh, that you know fits around your neck, snaps on, and it has sensors in it. And when the uh, when you tumble in a way that looks like a fall, the airbag deploys and surrounds your head.
1: Well, we can. I think we should we should have a show dedicated to helmets. Actually, we can invite some some, also some people who are helmet aficionados i i've been i've been carrying with me a folding hel- or collapsing helmet and there are several designs uh one of the, this particular one is is actually coming to the event uh we'll be exhibiting there um and and uh i guess i should i should mention them but there it's it's uh the brand is um morpheus i think uh, just it escapes me morpher i think morpher in i'm our, sorry morpher yeah. <laughs> yeah morpher and and it, it just folds folds into a flat flat configuration and i always like to think that the best helmet is the one you have with you and if you can take one with you uh it, 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 you know and find a find a way to put, put it on your bag or or in my case on uh, yeah it fits in my in my in my bag so anyway the the, the point is still that um yes helmets are the best way to to have uh, active safety, but I still wonder if there's more that can be done with uh, uh, with ABS, with uh, with traction control, so we can prevent. Uh, so one of the most feared things for, for a cyclist are tr- tr- uh, you know tracks Is it like like uh, like um, rail tracks which are in pavements. Well, these are frequently found in in european cities and so you like your wheel and i think this is the same for motorcyclists you have a difference in coefficient of friction plus you have a little uh a rut or or notch you can slip into and it's really scary to be in the dark in the rain and not see these things and you'll go flying so um but but if if we can devise systems to 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 kind of detect uh this slipping condition and 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 apply braking, uh, et cetera.
2: Uh, Horace, a couple of points there. Uh, one thing that's changed in just the last few years with the um, uh, improvement in technology and LEDs, uh, light-emitting diodes, and with all the lights that are being done off those, uh, we're getting really, really effective bicycle and lights that can be used on slow-speed small vehicles. Um, I just bought a, a light for my bicycle that uh, puts out 1,100 lumens, which is more than the average car headlight. Um, and you know, I think I paid up eighty dollars for it. Uh, so there's no excuse for having, um, you know, ineffective lights on small micro mobility vehicles. Um, the other thing I was riding in Amsterdam um, uh, in, I think, in October, and uh, spent a few days there, and it was interesting to watch uh, a city that had lots of trolley car tracks that you would think would be very dangerous for bicycles, and a city that is full of bicycles, and the bicyclists were amazingly effective. Uh, in dealing with them, you just see people, you know, ride away from them. If they needed to cut across, they would cut across at a sharp angle, and they just ride right over them. And uh, you know, it was just a cultural thing where everyone knew how to do it.
0: Absolutely. There's one. There's one thing, uh, Steve. You and I uh, on the on, on Twitter have been talking back and forth a lot about. Um, uh, I forget their name. I think it's the Paraves, or is it the Paraves Aero Tra- Auto Tracer, Aero Tracer, uh, the one from Switzerland, the the motorbike, the enclosed motorbike, Paraves. Yeah, and then the and then the Lit Motors uh, C One, which is the the sort of the gyro balanced enclosed motorcycle, um, electric motorcycle that unfortunately has yet uh, to come to fruition. But um, I'm really curious from your perspective if um, that that to me strikes strikes me as a, as a there's a huge uh, space that could be opened, and that if you can get the, you know, a, a, a system that works well for having a, a, you know, a motorbike that's relatively enclosed, um, electric, um, so it bene- benefits from all of those, um, uh, those advancements, um, and is clean and quiet, etc. Um, but also, you know, has a way to balance when it gets when it comes up to a stop sign.
2: Yeah, the generic term for that class of vehicle is a cabin motorcycle. So you essentially an enclosed motorcycle and there are no technical issues preventing those from, you know, again, we've we've had a number of proof of concepts that have been in small production. The Paravi's monotracer, um, the the lit never made it to production. Uh, There was a Chinese uh, uh, knockoff of the lit that actually was further developed than the LIT was. You can absolutely do an enclosed motorcycle, uh, either with uh, gyroscopes for balancing or outriggers and make that work incredibly effectively. Uh, Probably the most efficient vehicle that you can possibly do because your aerodynamics can be so so much better than a conventional motorcycle. Uh, It's not a technical problem. it's simply someone putting enough money to produce one at an attractive price with all the features that you would re- require.
1: Well, just on this topic, um, I wanted to pause for a moment and, and mention our sponsor. Um, the it's, it's actually appropriate because when we're talking about all these mo- mo- modal types, all these modes, and all of these possible applications of uh, wheels and uh, and batteries, uh, you you can quickly get into some interesting, uh, in, interesting configurations for city and destinations uh, that that micro mobility applies. So so we want to thank Joyride for sponsoring uh, this podcast, uh, and and uh, point out that there are countless. Uh, uh, you know, aspiring micromobility fleet fleet operators out there. I'm, I'm sure many of you are, are listening, would are thinking about being a fleet operator. So if you are, then you probably know that you, you, you've got something about. You know something about your community. You know about something your mar- about your market. And know what it takes to run a fleet efficiently and profitably. So you've done your research. You've been reading blogs and articles. You've been downloading reports, and of course, listening to this podcast. So the metrics from from venture funded companies that are that you're hearing about they're mind blowing. They've got more, hundreds of millions of dollars being invested, and in more and more every day. And but you wonder how things like this. Uh, could look if you focused on your local market, which is where your competence may be. Well, Joyride provides you with the cost, custom white labels mobile apps and scalable backend that allows everyone from a small local operator all the way up to transit agencies to launch their own micromobility fleets within weeks. Plus, they have partnerships with all the major manufacturers, so you're guaranteed to have the highest quality hardware when you launch your own bikes or scooters. Here's an example of Uh, what one of Joyride's customers has accomplished. The operator launched with a fleet of 200 electric scooters in their hometown, and within two months, they were making six figures from the rides, all the while competing in a city that already had some of the largest scooter share companies operating. So they were not entering into a market without competition. This doesn't even include the additional revenue they've been generating through the Joyride advertising platform that allows you to connect your customers with retail partners around the city. Maybe you didn't think that you could compete in the micro-mobility space before. Maybe you thought the market was already controlled by a few giants. Well, Joyride levels the playing field for all operators, allowing anyone to succeed with their fleet. Whether you're an independent operator with a desire to launch locally or a transit agency looking to solve the first and last mile for your customers, Joyride helps you find the mobility share solution that works. So start your own scooter or bike share system today. Go to www.joyride.city, that's joyride.city, and it's time to join the global micromobility movement. If you mention the Micromobility Podcast on uh, when you sign up, receive you'll receive the first month for free. So thank you very much to Joyride for supporting 5x5 and Micromobility. So, uh... We wanted to to so we talked a bit about active safety, we talked about passive safety, we talked about lane separation and uh, and, and we talked about helmets and we talked about uh, wheel sizes and behaviors Yeah, and, my, and and the whole idea of really really uh, evolving the vehicle towards something closer to a, a you know a, an enclosure. Which I think is, is good. Have you seen? By the way, speaking of which, have uh, this was kind of a sensation at also CS is the Schaeffler Bio Hybrid. Have you seen that, uh, Steve? Oh,
2: absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, they've shown a couple of variants of that, and that's a 250 watt uh, electrically assisted quadricycle, which, interestingly enough, in Europe. Qualifies as a bicycle and would be eligible to use bicycle lanes and um, ride any place a bicycle would ride. Now in the U.S., because of differences in our regulation and laws, it doesn't fit in. Um,
1: right. Well, it would need to be adapted to have three wheels, which I don't think is impossible. But when you look at, if you search for it, bio hybrid, if you search this on online, you'll find also. A video done by uh, by a, a great video, video blogger called Fully Charged is a is the is the is the is the channel on YouTube or or is is it Fully Charged? I think it, I, I think so too. It's it's about electric cars mainly, but he actually ta- it is fully charged. Yeah, yeah fully I'm charged. It now. It's a UK uh, UK uh, video blog, and they they actually demoed this product in 2016. So this is this great video of it, but from back then they did a, a revised uh, design for for CES. Um, and so there's been a lot of, a lot of pictures of, the, of, this, of this new version, but you can kind of get a feel for what the older version, uh, how it rides and how it feels, because the, the, the presenters do going through and, and showing the turning radius and, and acceleration and uh, just the great joy you get from riding it. It actually has two, two passenger capacity, it's four wheels, and, uh, but you have to pedal it to make it work. Uh, in many ways, it's an upright. You could say you can think of it as an upright. Um, what's the word? The 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 uh, vel,
0: vel, vel, uh, uh, velomobile.
1: velomobile. correct. Um, also, we should have on the show someone who uh, is from there, or or maybe we should have a, a you know kind of a uh, uh, an enclosed micromobility show because we should talk to the innovators in this space. And,
0: uh, yeah, this thing looks awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I hadn't, yeah, I've seen it sort of in passing, but, uh, just, yeah, you, you, yeah.
1: But there's, there is this, and then I don't want to just talk about it because that product's not for sale. There are products that are for sale. You should definitely look at those. But the thing that that, that want to point out in, in, on this topic about safety is that these are enclosed, enclosed, partially enclosed. They have a roof. Um, they have some form of a bumper system, you know, in front and back. That uh, could be, you know, enhanced. We um, could even have airbags. I, pre- I suppose so. There's there's something more you can do, and yet still fit within the criteria of number one being very lightweight, being uh, human powered and pedal uh, and sort of pedal assisted, um, and 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 yet be more of a sit down product than, than the one you ride on. So it doesn't have the same balancing uh, requirement. And, and I really am very excited. I must say this is, to me, these are like aspirational products. These are like Ferraris and Porsches. And, you know, if you're a car person, yeah, you'll buy the minivan, but you really dream about that product. So for me, these are the kind of dream products that, that we can think about as, as we want to get into at some point. And, uh, and, and it's certainly within reach and certainly approachable but uh, but Steve, your to 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 you now. I how if you had that as a design brief, okay? You're either doing three wheels in the U.S. or or four wheels in, in, in Europe. You're fitting within the bicycle, uh, the bicycle definition. Would these be safer? Would you be able to maybe tell your a significant other that hey, I know you think bikes or scooters are unsafe, but check this out. Would you, you should get into this because then you don't have to worry about taking the kids to school.
2: You could certainly make those so that they were safer vehicles from a, um, you know, single vehicle point of view. You could, you know, have protection for tip overs. You could do all kinds of things. I mean, you could have, you know, a uh, uh, steer by wire and a, a stability control system so you couldn't put in a sudden input that would roll the vehicle you you know you could there's so many things that you could do that would make them safer from a single vehicle point of view where you would um where you would have the same issue with infrastructure is they wouldn't necessarily be that much safer if you got hit by a car at 40 miles an hour And uh, that's where the infrastructure question comes in. Uh, You have to get like cities and countries emphasizing that micro mobility requires their own lanes and they need to be protected from, you know, 4,000 pound SUVs.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, And also, by the way, another class of vehicle, which we probably need to talk about at some point is the, uh, the 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 in the U.S. it's called the golf car. Notice that people people say golf cart. It's actually car, and <laughs> the, technically the term is golf car. And these are these are electric vehicles, small, rather chunky, and not very light. But um, it, it, that kind of fits within our criteria. And there are towns in the U.S. where. Golf cars are the primary mode of transport. Some of them are sort of retirement communities, but there's one place which isn't, which is just a residential area, where they've built all these golf car uh, roadways, and uh, there're literally thousands. and I should find it on YouTube. There's, there is such a place, and it's quite a quite an amazing place to to uh, to, to contemplate as kind of what could you do with. Uh, these wouldn't be pedal assisted. These are just throttle based systems, so you you drive them like you would a car, but they are they are not cars. They're 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 these uh, small electric uh, carts, and uh, and so th- th- there's 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 questions around that modal, uh, modal which is not a new not a new one at all. Um, how does that fit in? You know, th- I think that the overall question here is whether. When you think about micromobility, it's, it's as broad a spectrum of vehicles as regular mobility is today, which means that we span the, 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 the licensed vehicles that are allowed to be driven on, on public roads. They span from motorcycles at the low end, which are two wheels, but fairly powerful, and certainly in, in terms of speed, really sometimes the fastest vehicles on the road. And then we have everything through cars, SUVs, pickup trucks, minivans. Then you get into camper vehicles or, or, or caravans, trail, trailers. Then you get into, uh, of course, uh, various trucks, and all the way up to the largest classification of trucks, which are tractor trailers with, I think, 80,000 pounds of, 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 uh, of weight. And so it's, it's, if you think about that spectrum from motorcycles all the way to semi-multi-multiple trailers, uh, semi-tractor trailers, and you have this this breadth of mobility options for roadways. Imagine that the world of micromobility is going to span a similar breadth, but the weights will all be below 500 kilograms. That is what the future is likely to be, and, uh, and, and so the, once, once you understand the, the variety here, it's not just scooters and bikes, then we really have to think about as uh, safety and, and separation and, uh, and licensing possibly and, and regulation and speed limits and all these other things that we have for regular macromobility or, or automobility. But there's all of these smaller modes will, will just move people much more efficiently. And I think that's the, uh, that's the premise here. So, um, any thoughts is on that on that question, or if it,
2: uh, you know, th- there actually is a U.S. federal standard, uh, and I forget the term of art for the golf cart-like vehicles, but
1: neighborhood neighborhood electric vehicles, yeah,
2: right. Neighborhood electric vehicles. They're allowed to go twenty-five miles an hour, and they. Uh, don't have to meet all the federal motor vehicle safety standards that a car has to meet a standard automobile because they go so much slower. And, you know, you obviously can engineer one of those to sell at a much reduced price from an automobile, and it can be very effective, uh, you know, for short distances. And, you know, I think what we're going to see is as we evolve into new ownership and shared vehicle models, we're going to see vehicles that are much more specifically tailored to their environments. The car has been the one-size-fits-all thing that does the short trip and the long trip and and every trip in between. And in the future, we're going to see vehicles tailored for very particular uses. And that's one of them.
1: Fascinating stuff, right? So... um... Any further thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, I don't have any, but, but oh, sorry. Yeah, I
2: was going to say, I mean, like we're already seeing in the micro mobility space, I mean, when you're looking at something like a neighborhood electric vehicle, those could be pushing your 500 kilogram limit. You saw Continental at Eurobike this year release a scooter, which I think weighed seven kilograms, about 15 pounds. Um, and, you know, that's quite a range right there. Um, it's not quite as great as the range from an automobile to a semi-tractor trailer, but it's very close. So we've got this entire range of vehicles that we're going to see emerging. And we have to start thinking about uh, um, how they're going to fit in and what kind of infrastructure do they need. Um, and the wonderful thing about the scooter revolution, the, the shared vehicle uh, revolution that we've seen in the last year or two, is it's really pushing cities to think about these issues?
0: Absolutely, and it's getting. I, I mean, I think the thing that's exciting from my perspective is uh, you watch it, and and you know, people have bought electric scooters in the past, but um, never really been exposed to that world because the you know, even at uh, whatever a thousand dollars or something like that, it's still relatively high barrier to entry. But all of a sudden, when you when you're able to have access to something for a couple of dollars, um. It really you get tens of thousands of advocates thinking like you know actually hey this is a great way to get around the city this is fun lo yeah. and behold turns out um, turns
1: out yeah fun is one of these variables that that we never have a, a a a a way to account for it in in the in a company balance sheet or in 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 a, in our income statements and and certainly in our spreadsheets but it turns out to be the most probably the most likely. Cause of people adopting it, and I think that w- w- the 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 sheer the sheer uh, uh, joy of of micromobility is what what is going to be its uh, uh, its its driving function, and uh, against that we have the questions related to safety. So in, in, in also safety is not something that is on the balance sheets or income statement or, or our spreadsheets as much. Uh, we, we have to somehow figure out how these two play off against each other because uh, at the end, although it's a perception thing, people, people ha- have, have the, the, the you know, joy in one, on one column and then they have fear on the other one. And and so, to the extent that we can we can eliminate the fear, and and so so the, the the intelligent countries that have adopted cycling have done so by, and you can see that no one's afraid there, It's they've done it through infrastructure, and um, and uh, the, now we with with new modes and new electric drives, we have the potential for more joy. So so these are going to be once again asking for balance. And so I think that's what we need to pay attention to as well.
2: Well, one last thing, uh, you know, Horace and Oliver, I mean, I come from the motorcycle industry and no one in the motorcycle industry has ever had a success by building a rational motorcycle. <laughs> the motorcycles, the motorcycles that sell in North America and in Europe and in, in, in the Western world they all have to pull at the heartstrings. They have to provide joy. They have to provide a story. They have to, you know, you know, have some emotional connection with their user. And people have tried building uh, motorcycles that your mother might recommend for you, and invariably they've failed. And I think like that's one of the successes of scooters. Is scooters like people uh, got on them and they brought joy? Yeah, it's
1: an interesting question. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to be completely persuaded that that th- this segment moves the way motorcycles does because motorcycles are really the job to be done. There is to have fun purely; if they're recreational in North America. I mean, they. I think they are. They are more utilitarian in, let's say India, but uh, but. Yeah, in Asia, but it, you know, and there you see them being more modest. You you see also uh, more of the the moped like, uh, you know, you know, one twenty five cc or less, you know, lower lower power vehicles. Uh, so people, you know, when you see women riding them, and you see uh, older people riding them, because they're just using them to get around. So case in point would be probably Vietnam if you. Uh, if you want to get a sense of, of you know search or search on what, what it looks like on the street in Vietnam and you get an idea of what two wheels can do. Um, but if, if, if you were to say though, what is the micro mobility market separate from recreation, so those would classify, if they're used for utility, we would classify them as micro mobility. But if they're used for recreation, I tend to exclude that from micromobility. Now w- however, so I think the, 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 the fun element, the joy element, are going to be things that, that will keep the category growing and will bring more people into it as long as it's safe. Uh, the thing is that on motorcycles, safety is not a consideration because everyone is actually looking to feel that rush of, the, of adrenaline you get from, from being essentially exposed to risk. And the risk itself is what, what sells the product. And uh, because, again, you're going for a thrill, you're not going to use the vehicle to get to work, or maybe some do, but it's extremely rare. Um, but it, it, so, so to me, this is why we have to think about micro-mobility in, that, in, the, in the psychological sense is a more of a balance between safety and, and performance or safety and enjoyment. And so this is why it's so important that we we uh that that innovators in this space pay attention to safety it is it is i'm not i'm not maybe getting my hands around this question very well but it is to me it sounds like this this segment needs to have a lot more design around safety and that's going to be critical much more than it is in other in 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 let's say in other two-wheeled markets I right, w well, what do you think yes steve is is that
2: I I, w- I would agree one hundred percent with that. Uh, you know, you with micro mobility, you've got something that can be fun, but also has high utility value. Um, I mean, I've been involved with the design of motorcycles for the Indian market, which is a incredibly utilitarian uh, driven market. It's interesting that there may be two jobs to be done in the Indian market. One of them is the utilitarian transportation aspect, and the other one is prestige, Mm. and so you do not want to make a lightweight looking motorcycle. You want to have it look more massive than it actually needs to be, because that's perceived as uh, more prestigious. Um, In the micro mobility space, in Western markets, I think it's going to be a combination of utility, safety, and fun, and-, and
1: and and I think good looks. At some point, we're going to have to talk about looks as well because I think that is important. Uh, we know we men does not live by bread alone, uh, and and I think people are just looking for the most basic fu- function. And even if it's a shared vehicle, I think people want to have. Uh, something that they, they are writing on that is, that shows them having some sense of style and some sense of... of uh, Yeah, I
0: mean, at the end of the day, it's signaling, it's signaling and yeah. signaling. So
1: it certainly signals. I, I, in the shared vehicle space, and this is something of a, of a contentious point, people say that, well, access matters more than anything else. So having a lot of vehicles nearby, that trumps everything. Well, okay, fine. Let's put that aside for a moment. Then there are others say... I hear like you don't care what car. If you're getting into an Uber, you don't care what car it is. But yet at the same time, Uber does segment by giving you various different vehicle classes. Um, now they come with different service uh, service uh, elements. But but I do think people care about what they ride in. And I know when I when I when I order an Uber, I kind of get a little kick if it's something that is. I've I've not been in before, and it's that's a vehicle that is kind of interesting to me. I, that's because I care about the vehicles, but but I think, in the case even if it's a shared vehicle, there is a sense of wanting to be in something nice. And, um, you know, it it, 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 it you know, it, look at people who are train buffs. I mean, who, who would want to be excited about a train, but yet trains say something, they they, they are beautiful to 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 in a way uh so are so are buses uh and uh and and you want elegance in everything and uh and i i, I would rather designers pay attention to uh, even in the shared space to the vehicle design beauty matters uh and and, and you know elegance matters and and um and those who want to differentiate along those lines, I think will do rather well. So anyway, we'll, we'll uh, this has been kind of,
2: yeah. I, I would agree with that. And I would say industrial design always matters. When you're doing a product, you know, having it be beautiful, it doesn't cost a lot more making it beautiful. So why not? You know, it's you should have good industrial design. And people respond to that. Um, And again, I I think of the example of of Smide in Zurich, who's running high-end Stromer e-bikes. And, you know, they have a very, very low breakage rate because, you know, people like the vehicles.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you you know, uh, we talked about this in the vandalism episode, how People will respond with more respect towards something that's beautiful, and something that that you 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 know it, 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 you just feel bad about harming it. But because also it serves people well, you don't want to harm that either. I mean, maybe some who are again sociopathic will do it, but there's something to that. And I I think this is one of the questions. You know, Apple says that they when they do their design work they they put a lot of effort into thinking deeply about the product and they believe that that eventually comes through and is showing it, sh- it shows something it speaks to to the buyer somehow and that's what that's why buyers respond positively to the products and i think we should bring that same ethos to to the to to, to this space that that we should take care of our product we should make it beautiful to de- and then industrial design, but we should also make bring design into safety and consider and consider these these elements deeply. So, um, so that would be absolutely. That would be the advice for today. Cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, I'm I'm aware we're uh, yeah we're running up against time, but look, Steve, it's an absolute pleasure to, to have you on the on the podcast, and uh, we're really looking forward to to seeing your presentation uh, in a couple of weeks.
2: Yes, I'm, I'm really anticipating going to the conference.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll have, awesome. this, well, out we'll have this out in the out, um, meantime. Uh, in so, in the meantime. The meantime. if anybody so wants to reach out to, you how, to, reach out to you? you, how do they
2: find you, Steve? Steve? Uh, well, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter. I'll uh, uh, Rashomon two on Twitter. Uh, you can post a, uh, a link uh, and uh, yeah, I post on micro mobility and electric vehicle issues uh, continually on Twitter and uh, try to focus on that and uh, nothing, uh, nothing else. Great. <laughs> Excellent. All right. All right. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon
0: and see you uh, in a couple of weeks.